you sipping today i'm having rum straight i'm just drinking some rum on ice but guess what the name of this rum is let us know plantation i didn't do it on purpose I, oh my god yes but that's what i'm sipping what, what are you sipping today i am sipping some good old water i got my water here too because y'all already know this one my first drink it's healthy how are you feeling today what's your spirit giving today i am feeling pretty good there's some good weather outside um i'm grateful to have my family and my health to you know not be in immediate danger i'm glad you're not in immediate or imminent danger either i am i'm chilling i got my hair braided so i'm feeling cute so i'm running around looking like asap rocky yes looks great Thank you very much. You know, everybody ain't able, you know, to, to hold on to their young years. And so I'm trying to hold on to mine. As well. But we got good genes. Folk in my family, they look good when they die. We ain't nowhere near that, though. <laughs> Can you tell us what today's episode is about? Oh, my God, they should already know. But today's episode, we are discussing uh, Katori Hall's P-Valley. Yes. You know how we do it down here in Pussy Valley. If you, you know, if you're not caught up on the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so P-Valley. Go on ahead with your thoughts. P-Valley is everything. Wow, it's so innovative. It's so energized. It's so youthful. Um, and it's doing so much in representation for the South. Great things with queer representation. Um, I love the narratives that were being presented. I love the costumes. You're right that the show is exceptional. I think that it is not innovative. Players Club. It definitely mm -hmm. reminds me of that with Lisa Nicole Ray, you know, as the damsel in distress. <laughs> so I would not say that it's innovative, but the show is exceptional. It's really good. And I do, and I'm so glad that you mentioned the American South because I do think that it is really attempting to really carve out a space for the specificity in how one can portray American blackness on the screen, mm. on stage. I think that this show definitely succeeds at it in many ways and fails as well. Mm. But overall, it is an exceptional show, you know? And, and I think what's cool about it is adapted from a stage play called Pussy Valley, written by yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? You know, from Memphis, Tennessee. That's where she's from. On the TV show, it's set in Chuckalisa, Mississippi, which is a fictional town. My problem (laughs) is... Come on, give him the sip. Give him the sip. That damn dialect problem on the show. They sounding crazy. Which is why Plantation is funny, because they sound like they slaves. Just follow the river. I'm going to be free or die. Because sometimes, you know, when you say, um, little murder, speak your piece. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, are we watching Roots? You know, Mm because I do love slave movies. You know, Roots, The Help. Well, you know, you just mentioned Mercedes' accent. Can we talk about Autumn's accent, though? Miss America, I, I respect you for the craft. The craft. Now, I do not respect what you did to that Texas accent, but I appreciate you for the craft. It's so funny because y'all go off of these British actors so much. You know she's British. She's from Great Britain, England. British people be having sex like, mm, yes, splendid, ah, indeed, scrumptious, carry on, good heavens, I'm arriving. There is this craze. There's this, you know, this desire to have these British actors play. And I don't think many of them succeed at playing American. I do think there's one that I think does very well, um, the young man from Snowfall. And he's so fine. But when he plays Franklin on Snowfall, I feel like I'm watching a dude that grew up in Long Beach. (laughs) <laughs> That's what he sounds like. He sounds like he would be cousins with Snoop. And and I think that when you play blackness on stage or, or in the screen, you do have to get that specific to look at the location and look at the region because somebody who is from New York has a different experience than somebody black who grew up in Atlanta. That person has a different experience than somebody black that grew up in Chicago. And that person has a different experience than somebody who grew up in Mobile, Alabama. Or the black boy who grew up in Seattle who might have got you know, a very diverse class. Or maybe he still, right. even in that class, was the only black person. Like, that is a particular experience. Yeah. There's this assumption that, you know, they're from Britain, they've trained in, 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 in England, and they're an actor, so they must be brilliant. And I'm like, Cynthia Revo as Harriet... <laughs> Ah, Cynthia Revo as Aretha. It's even a bigger mistake. Right. <laughs> What's your name? Autumn Knight. You got potential, but you ain't ready yet. You know how fellas go crazy for the new girls? And you had a lot to say about her being influ- affluent, but in this in this space. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Um, I don't know why Autumn Knight comes in in the middle of the night when she has, or comes into this strip club specifically looking for a job, when she has a very easy way to access money by just wiring it through multiple <laughs> bank accounts. I'm just like, I don't know why she needs this job. I don't know why she's living in this rumpty dump apartment or rinky dink apartment. Right. It, it doesn't make sense. Right. She walked into the paint correcting strippers on their mispronunciation of Yves Saint Laurent. Right. And I just have like, girl, <laughs> why she here, Ike? Why she mm-hmm. here? No, I don't understand, you know, um, that insertion, uh, light-skinned savior. Why this, li- it just seems like this light-skinned girl is here in an arbitrary way. And why is Alerica the light-skinned woman, or Autumn, I should call her in this show, why is the light-skinned woman the one in distress, the damsel in distress who 
<laughs> is always going to need saving. If the saving comes well, through the form of Andre, she's saved by Uncle Clifford just by being given the job. Uh-huh. She's saved by Mercedes throughout the entire series. Yet Mercedes, the dark-skinned star of the show, is literally having to fight her battles on her own and is literally <laughs> fighting her mother, um, right. has to hustle, right. has to run this whole dance team of young girls as a way to actually follow her dreams and pursue what passion right. she may have. And Miss yeah. Autumn Nice just comes in with all this money and with all this privilege by being light skinned and just kind of flounces through the series. You better flounce, <laughs> Autumn. <laughs> you better flounce. Well, wait a minute. Was 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 she not distressed in that prison church conundrum? She was going through. Sis was going through. Mm-hmm. Episode five. But they had her looking like she was walking into revelations. That's what it looked <laughs> was even in prison. Was, she, was, she was in jail. She was, a, she was in a holding cell. And they had her walking like she was walking into, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah. And like, ooh, come over here, little lady. Like, it was just like, it was ridiculous. With barely any clothes on. She, she's bare. With she's no walking into this she's exposed. Right. Right. Anything right. could happen to her. She's right. in danger, y'all. Uh-oh. Mercedes, you in danger, girl. But then also, Mercedes been to jail before. She ain't yeah. got no bodies or nothing like that. She don't have no bodies. <laughs> DUI. You know what I'm saying? Like, she done, she, 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 she done slapped the bitch and had to get a restraining order. So, like, she been there before. She know what it looked like. Harriet D. Foy is amazing. You know, Harriet D. Foy plays uh, uh, Mercedes' mother, Patrice Woodbine. But that church scene was... So out of the genre for the show, it just went into... It went into fantasy realm. But my homegirl, Dana Gurrier, who played the drunk girl... Now, that's where it's a little unrealistic, honey, because I've been in this situation before. Once they put you out the club and then you find yourself in jail, you're not drunk no more. <laughs> you don't realize the error of your ways. <laughs> Real quick. I have, been in, I have been in that very situation. Queens get the money. Queens, queens get the money. Queens get the money. Queens get the money. Queens, queens get the money. Queens get the money. Yeah. Kenzie, let's talk about some of these relationships on P-Valley. So, of course, the main relationship we have is Uncle Clifford and Lil' Murder. You know, any any time that there's an opportunity to show a queer relationship, a black queer relationship, I'm excited about it. And then I like this one too because it it it, it brings you know together a cis man and, and um well she's not a trans woman, right? Then you tell me she's queer. not a trans woman, right? right. She's gender. Oh. And how do you know that? How do you know that Uncle Clifford is gender queer? Well, in uh, interviews with Nico Anon, the actor who plays Uncle Clifford. He has made it explicitly clear that Uncle Clifford is not trans, and Uncle Clifford does identify as genderqueer. So that's why we see the character kind of going by he, she, they pronoun. Um, Of course, we don't want to call the character it or that. I thought that they exclusively used the pronoun she and often referred to Uncle Clifford as woman. 
I mean, that's what that's what Nico said in the interview that all the pronouns could be used. Uh, what we do know is that Uncle Clifford is gender queer, definitely non-gender conforming, right? So we have this cisgender person and this non-gender conforming person in, in relationship together, which I think is really awesome. That's the other beautiful thing about this show is that it is really starting a conversation about gender and at the intersection of blackness, and that's really yeah. awesome. I I stated that I think Lovecraft countries, you know. Uh, capturing of the DL experience is much mm. more accurate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to say more compelling because I think that they both show two beautiful aspects. Our Black queer experience is so full and so big and because gender and sexuality is so vast, you decide what your gender and your sexuality is. Don't let the world tell you what it is, okay? You feel like, you know, playing with some coochie today and you want to ride some tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? You can do that. You can put it together. You can bring everybody together if you want to. I just need to have an open-minded man. Um, but what are your thoughts on Uncle Clifford and, 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 and Lil' Murder? I think like you, I very much was confused by that kind of relationship starting with Lil' Murder saying, I don't want to suck and fuck in the dark. Like, I want to be with you and... <laughs> Like, yeah, that's just not realistic. I, I think this show kind of positioned it as, the, as if um, Lil Murda's character wanted to exist in this relationship publicly, but was kind of forced to hide in the darkness because of his career. And right. well, that's, that's what we just assume. Not, right. That's what we, that's what we yeah. assume, those of us who know the light. But I don't think that the person watching this who is learning about that experience, I don't, I definitely don't think that that is what they receive. That's what they glean from what they've experienced. You know, so I think a better way to capture it would have been to let us see Lil' Murder struggle with stepping in the light, stepping in the yeah. dark, stepping in the, stepping in the dark. Like, if we could yeah. see that, then we might believe it a bit more. Yeah. Because it was like Uncle Clifford had to tell Lil' Murder, like, it's not safe for us to be out together in public. As if... Little Bird is just unaware of homophobia and the dangers that can exist for uh, Mm -hmm. queer bodies in the black. It could have been like a moonlight moment. You know, I know you Mm -hmm. kids fought them because they said something about you out loud. And then he could be like, I've changed. I've grown from that. Oh, we should write a show. You want to write a show? That's what should be written, yes. Let's write a show. (laughs) (laughs) Let's write a show. I actually think it's a cool thing that the show reminds me of Moonlight because in my essay, I talk about this lighting, fluorescent, you know, um, black bright hue that we see in Moonlight, and we see uses of that in um, P-Valley. I I would say another uh, relationship that (laughs) confused me was uh, Autumn Knight and this Montavious character who we were supposed to be scared of throughout the whole season. I think that goes in tandem with the mysticism you were talking about earlier of her whole story, really, and that she was supposed to be being chased across the South by this man, and she's supposed to be in imminent danger in every episode. There's a moment, and I think was it the second episode at the car wash, when she kind of has this freak-out moment. <laughs> and... <laughs> that was a comedy. That was a comedy. I want to tell you how loud I hollered. <laughs> At that little sad water hole. That moment was so <laughs> bizarre. 
It was bizarre. It was over. It was like melodramatic. It was unbelievable. It was laughable. I hollered. I don't know who directed or wrote that episode. It probably was Katori Hall because you know her writing is really, really challenged. I'm not trying to shade her. I want to help her and make her, because she's got the limelight, and she should have work that um, stands beside Lorraine Hansberry or stands beside August Wilson, and right now it's not. And someone needs to tell her, because them white institutions that she went to, they just said, what you're doing is good, and they did not tell her the story. I also believe that when you make a statement like that, you have to explain why. Because when you have a critique, my thing is, okay, that's how you feel? You should you feel Feel how you feel. Tell me why you feel that way. Right. And if you can't, then you should be quiet. I saw Mountaintop on Broadway. Somebody took me on a date, and then the ticket was free. Oh, shout out to Big Boy. That was my nickname for that boy. Oh, he was sweet. Anyway, <laughs> it was awful. I saw it with Angela Bassett played, you know, the female lead. Samuel Jackson played Martin Luther King, because the play is about Martin Luther King. It's supposed to be a fictional account of his last night um, at the Lorraine Hotel before, you know, he is murdered. And it is a debacle, you know, also directed by Kenny Leon. And we can have an episode about Kenny Leon's work. Uh, I don't know if y'all saw Raisin in the Sun on Broadway or the movie or wow. that debacle With still. Diddy? Oh, yes. With Diddy, he directed that one. Yes, he yes. did. And he. And he directed the still make the black still magnolias, and everybody excited for the black golden girls. I can't. <laughs> Live version of the Wiz too, right? He definitely did. Yes, he did. Because he used to do the Wiz in Atlanta all the time. You know, he has the theater, True Colors Theater in Atlanta. And he's got his, he like really, you know, his career catapulted after he left the Alliance Theater, which is a very prominent regional theater in Atlanta. When I was a kid, he was artistic director. When I was for the incomparable Woody King, he didn't cast me. I would say rest in peace, but he ain't dead yet. I'm just kidding. Oh, no! We honor you, Kenny. Me too. Look at you. You are so generative and good. I wish to be like you, my friend. <laughs> I do. Now, uh, hold up, but, hold up. Take, bring us back, bring us back. You gotta, we gotta talk about... But yes, what do you want to say about girl Miss Shannon Thornton? Oh, wow. What a performance. What a character. I'm in love with Mississippi. And Shannon Shannon really brought such humanity to that character that was necessary for us to actually understand and get a full grasp of what she was going through. And I appreciate the work that she did to prepare for that role and to present it to us. They found who she was because at first, if you remember, like she had that line, God is really shining down on me. And that God does not shine down on the people who do that. But I'm just saying that in the in the in the essence of storytelling, I am unsure if God shined on you in that moment. But Keyshawn is a little bit conniving. She is stuck on the dream. If God could shine on Patrice. I don't know if God is shining on Patrice, but... but, well, but let, she that, seems that, to that, convince herself here. Lots of folks think lots of things about themselves, and, and we have to come to them and say, baby, that's not you. You don't have any hair, so wear this weave oh, so that no. you can look like something. Like, we do that for people. <laughs> what she did to my man in that last scene is unconscionable. It was truly a travesty. Wow. He was really fighting. He was working hard, but... 
she was a victim to the cycle of abuse, and it's hard to leave those situations sometimes. Yo, so it's very rare when I watch a show that I'm gooped and gagged. Like, usually <laughs> I kind of know. If I don't know exactly what's going to happen, I kind of know what's about to happen. And that shocked the hell out of me, probably because I was distracted at how fine Tyler Lepley is. <laughs> can we just have can a sip for that? We can have a sip for that. All of them, all of me and Andre, and me, you know, even Lil Murder, J. Alphonse Nicholson, who, for me, he's the breakout star of the show. I think he's so good. You know, I forgot that he was in Self Made. I thought his little appearance in Just Mercy was absolutely beautiful. Like, you know, a black boy that we all went to school with. Mm. But for me, in this piece, I was like, I why he is not as fine in this piece for me because lots of folks think he's so fine but I've seen him before he, they, they cast him very well is what I'm saying they did a great job in casting because he represents today's Bush Queen but he looks like the trade um, look like the trade of past. Past. first of all you're going to have to define Bush uh, Queen because you know some of our listeners don't know no yeah that's another episode too we will talk about Bush Queen another time So, I mean, we have had a lot to say in this episode. Do you, is there any last thought that you want to cover? That I'm definitely know? following Nico Anon. Um, I'm okay. so excited to see what he does after this role. And, you know, he spent time developing this character since its inception on stage. And so I, I can definitely tell he spent a lot of time with Uncle Clifford. He has been Uncle Clifford since its first production at the Oregon um, Shakespeare Festival. And I think that it had its first stage premiere at the Mixed Blood Theater in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Shout out to Pretoria Hall, too, for that type of loyalty, you know, and not loyalty, but also belief and also capturing of, like, this is who my character is. We're staying with this. We have to give a theater nod. Somebody almost walked off with all of my stuff. Perfect ass for my man, and none of it is theirs. This is mine. Juanita's own things. That's my name. Now give me my stuff. Because the show did have the most amazing Loretta Devine in yes. show as Uncle Clifford's grandma. This show is in the pocket. I'm yeah. here because many a gay black boy has a particular relationship with their grandma. And many of them have been raised by their grandmama. And so I thought that was, you know... I love so that you beautiful. said that. You know, George M. Johnson and their memoir, they talk about their relationship with their grandmother. And, you know, even E. Patrick Johnson, his his uh, article on queer studies is all about yeah. his relationship with his grandmother. And so it's so interesting yeah. that queer black men and queer black people in general, just that relationship with that maternal figure is just unlike any other. And it teaches us so much, just their gestures, the way they inflect certain words, uh, how they help out the family and the community. George, you and I had a conversation via Twitter where you had to correct me on your pronouns, so I thank you for that. Okay, good. Well, I'm going to go ahead and give my final drop first. My final drop is loaded. Please get the money. 
this capturing and carving of blackness that I think that is truly specific and unique, you know, because the strip club is a specific thing to Southern culture, and it is a space basically talking about sex work. There are folk who reach the most accessible and get that dollar, and they get it a lot, and I, I'm not mad at it. If, I, if, I, if I'm able in the next few months to, to shed the little bit of weight that I want to get rid of in my midsection, y'all don't want me on the pole. Y'all don't <laughs> <laughs> on the and Katori Hall is seeking to normalize that and and to get us to understand why my sit and my and my angst is against this light skinned savior Autumn Knight who has the audacity to have this terrible accent offending <laughs> my American South rearing it is it isn't right it doesn't need to be there now we got to, we stuck with her because she owns the paint now she's the one to save them from dilapidation so <laughs> I ask y'all to do better but also that soundtrack I'm gonna just say it make it plain okay it Come needs on. to be a stage to have P-Valley the musical on Broadway. But yeah, the light skin savior, you know, it, it really is problematic and something that we need to be thinking about as we continue to carve space for black cinema. My last trip is that I give a shout out to this show for really emphasizing what black maternalism looks like. Um, in so many various ways. I think the teasing apart we get of the generational kind of cycle between Mercedes and her mother and her, her daughter is so beautifully told. And I really appreciate them for highlighting that kind of relationship and that kind of lineage of, <laughs> of uh, dynamics there. Um, and, you know, even Uncle Clifford represents a maternal figure in the show. Autumn Nights has a child who passed away in the flood um, Everybody's uh, uh, Mississippi has a child, so everybody's kind of has something, a legacy that they're working toward as well. Yeah. Not only in their current situation, trying to get money and trying to you know grind, but actually investing in a legacy that'll be left long after them. And I think Autumn turns that into you know acquiring the club in the end. That becomes her child then. So we'll see. I'm interested to see how that plays out in the second season. We have to end there because that's that academic shit. That, that, <laughs> the pink is not her child. Uncle Clifford is the mother of the club. You we'll know see. They both own that baby now. They both parents now. So. Oh, no. All right, y'all. Thank y'all so much for listening. <laughs> Performing black. Performing black.